0: Today we're finishing out the New Way to Be Human series. And in this series we've gone through the book of Philippians and we're finishing out today by talking about contentment. A fun topic. I believe it's important for us to hear this topic today. Can we all just say contentment? Yes. All right. so if you would, turn to your neighbor and tell them Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And then turn to your other neighbor if you got one and tell him, wow, you're beautiful. (laughs) And I speak contentment in the name of Jesus over you. Tell him that. All right, all right. Well, praise God. He's working. For those of you who just met your future mate, I'm happy for you. For those who, I just created an incredibly awkward experience. I'm just going to dive into the message, and we're not going to rest there. So, uh, Philippians 4, starting in verse 10 through 13. Now, before, as you guys are turning there, if you have your Bibles, open them up. Philippians 4, verse 10. As you're turning there, uh, I just want to give us a little heads up on this. Paul, throughout this book, is just all about rejoicing. He says it over and over again. Rejoice in the Lord. He's happy. He's bubbly. And if there's anyone that's going to talk to us about contentment, it's Paul. Because he genuinely gets this contentment thing. He's full of joy. He's full of life. He's full of the grace of God in his life. And you know what? He's writing this letter from a prison cell. Now, isn't that amazing that someone can be so full of life, so full of contentment, and yet they're writing from prison? And this is what Paul is doing. He says, "'I rejoice in the Lord greatly.'" that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In verse 11, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So he's saying, thank you for your concern for me. And I'm not saying that I need anything. He said, I just want you to know I'm, I am content no matter what. Isn't that amazing that this is possible? He's going to tell us how in just a little bit. Verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of placing, uh, of, of plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says, I can do, here's the secret, it's like he's leaning in real close. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, in the Greek, in the original language, he actually says, I can do all things through the strengthening one who strengthens me. And what he's saying, what he's trying to communicate here is that he has put his everything, all his trust in Christ, all his dependency is upon him. And it is Christ's strength who fills him up and continues to fill him with contentment. Let's pray. God, thank you for every heart here today. Lord, I just pray your blessing on them. And I ask that you would teach us about contentment today. Lord, we need this message. Every one of us, whether whether we with Paul have embraced all that you would do in our lives, or whether we're just struggling today, whether we're coming off this Thanksgiving uh, uh, uh holiday, and as Joey said, the Lord put on his heart, the Lord put something similar on my heart. That there's people in this room here today that, that are wrestling through this, Lord, that are wrestling through things that have people that have been lost in their lives or or things that, that have been lost in their lives and they're wrestling through uh, gratitude and they don't feel that way. And yet, Lord, I just pray your grace upon every heart here that you would draw us into your heart and that you would teach us. God, I freely admit that if it's just my voice that's talking today, Nothing but shallow emotionalism will happen. But Lord, if your spirit gets involved, which is what I've been praying and what I believe you are doing, then Lord, life goes out and your truth goes out. So we ask that you would impart something here that no man can in hearts, that you would impart the reality of your kingdom, the reality of contentment. In our hearts, we pray this in Jesus' name. Now, if you would, right there where you're seated, ask the Lord if he would speak to you today through the message. We're just gonna give you a few seconds here. And then if you would, if I could be so brave, as to ask you to pray for me, because I need the Lord's help that I might say something that would be helpful for you. So Lord, we trust you. We love you. We give this time to you, believing and stepping in with you that you will do far more than we can ask, think, or imagine. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, what I'm seeking to do, what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart to do, is to ask two questions of us this morning, and by the end, the Lord hopefully will answer these questions in our heart. The first question is, what is contentment? And the second is, how do I get it, right? How do we get this wonderful thing that Paul is talking about here in this passage, So that's where we're headed. I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, I got to go on my first mission trip, and it was transformational to my life. It completely changed the direction of my life, but leading up to that mission trip that year, I remember I was wrestling with life. I mean, I was a middle-class, sophomore in high school kid who, who, honestly, I didn't know up from down, but I, I, I didn't know why I was so unhappy. I didn't know why I was so sad, and I knew there was more, but I didn't know where to find more. And in walks Jesus to that season of my life, right? Now, some of us might feel that way in here. We know there's more in life, and yet, where do we find it? So, I get to go on this mission trip. Now, there were so many wonderful things that happened that week, but one of the, the, the most wonderful things was I got to come in contact with the first man I'd ever met that actually lived what Paul is talking about. His name was Pastor Javier. He was one of the, uh, uh, he he was a pastor of the church we had partnered with going down there to minister. We brought this vacation Bible school down there and we were going to present Jesus to the children down there in their community. This community, though, was very, very poor. And Pastor Javier was very, very poor. He had very few things, and yet he was the happiest person I'd ever met in my life. He was so filled with joy, you would think he had everything because a few things that he had, he was trying to give to us. He, He couldn't wait to give away whatever he had, and it was as if he had the world already, and he did. He had everything. And I remember in just... A few days around this man, I wanted what he had. I knew that what he had was better than what I had, but I didn't know what was different about what he had than what I had. And when ministering that week, and God is working and, and, and continually I'm around this man and I see his joy and I see the continued. He doesn't change when he's around some people and, and not around other people. He is the same person, has the same life in Christ, and he's constantly talking to people about Jesus. And it's like he can't, he can't hold it in. It's just so wonderful to him. And by the end of the week, I, I just, I couldn't help myself. I had to ask. I'm like, Pastor, over here. I'm like, what you have is better than what I have. And I didn't know how to ask. I, I was just like, uh, I, you have something that I don't, and I need it. How do I get it? What's your secret? And I remember, I'll never forget here I am, I want Socrates, I want Plato, I want Solomon wisdom spoken into this moment in my life. I think he's going to say something that's going to revelatory, be revelatory, and, and lift me up and give me, oh, that's it. But this is what he says. He looks at me and he speaks Spanish. You know, he says, it's Jesus Christo. And he has this big smile on his face because he was always smiling. And he points to his heart and he says, it's Jesus Cristo in mi corazón. And I remember in that moment, I thought, but I have Jesus. But I, I have this, what, what, what do, and, and I was so confused and I felt let down and I felt like, but there's gotta be More. And I went back home and the Lord told me, he said, there is more. He said, the way Javier has Jesus is different than the way you have Jesus. And this morning, I just want to encourage us. Some people might feel like I've tried this whole Jesus thing and still I wrestle with feeling satisfied in life. Still, I wrestle with the joy and, and, and not feeling discontent all the time. So Jesus couldn't be the answer, right? Well, I just wanna encourage us, if that's where we're at and that's where I've been in the past, I wanna encourage us, we're gonna dig a little deeper today. And we're, I just, I believe God's gonna reveal that it is that simple. That that is the source of our contentment. That what Paul has said is what he, God, will breathe life into our spirits if we will receive what he wants to give. But before we start digging into that, we have to see that this is genuinely something that we need, right? So not too long ago, there was a study done by Time Magazine and uh, some other news affiliates that kind of all got together and did this research project. And it started with something simpler, and then it developed into something bigger. And what, in the beginning, what they found out was that 20-something-year-olds are the most stressed-out people in the world. And, and, and they were like, but why? Now, Now, I'm going to speak about age groups right now, and I just want you to know this doesn't define you. I'm not speaking this over you. This is something they found as they researched the world. So I'm saying the world at large. I'm not saying you. It might be you, but anyways, here we go. So, 20-somethings were the most stressed out people in the world. And they're like, why? So they asked more questions and they started researching every age group down from the little tykes all the way to 80 and 90 years old. And they're trying to figure out what's going on here. And what they found out was something that they now call the U-curve theory or the U-curve of happiness, some, some people call it. You can look it up. But what they found was that across the board in the world, not just in the United States, but across the board, there was this trend that twenty in our 20s, uh, that, that a lot of people begin to go down in their satisfaction in life. That, yeah, they start getting stressed out, but their satisfaction in life starts going down. And it starts going down at a steeper incline in their 30s, and then in their 40s, it bottoms out. The people are, across the board in the world, most dissatisfied in their 40s. I'm sorry, 40-year-olds. This is what the research showed. That's about where I am. So, <laughs> um, But then... Um, at, At around 50, it starts going up again, and people begin just this little bit of incline. It's still nowhere near where they were as a little one, but it starts to come up, and then in their 60s and 70s, it comes up, and by 75, it's around where it was in the 20s. And then by 80s and 90s, it keeps going up. And so they they just found this to be so fascinating, these researchers, and they're all conjecturing why this is and why everyone's sad in the world. Now, the point of telling you this is not to be like, oh, man, Life is hopeless until we get in our 70s and 80s, and then somehow magically we get happy again. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying the world at large, I believe the world and the church need to hear what Paul is saying, need to hear the heart of his message as much as what he's specifically saying. We need to know how to find life in Christ. We need to know How to receive God's contentment because this study shows the world at large is struggling with this. And if we're being honest with ourselves, there may be areas in our lives that we need this. I say may, I believe there are. And so... Let's dig in to what Paul's testimony reveals. Now, I've only read three verses today, but I just want to give us some a a brief overview of Paul's life before Christ and after Christ so we can see really more of what he's talking about. Because he can say that I have found that the secret to contentment is that I am strengthened by the strengthening one. But what does he mean by that? How does he know this? How, how did he get there? And so, just want to back up a chapter. I'm not going to read the verses. I'm going to give you a summation. But in chapter 3 of Philippians, in verses 1 through 6, he talks about life before Christ. And he talks about how he, uh, what he was after, what he was about. And I'll be honest with you, every time I read it, I'm just like, that's yucky. You know, I'm just like, ugh. Because he's all about himself. He's all about this prideful, bigoted, uh, uh, religious climber. And he even talks about, he's like, I was the man. You know, he's like, he's like, if there was someone from the right tribe, it was me. If there was someone who followed all the laws and was a Pharisee of Pharisees, it was me. I was the man. And you read this and you get this sense of what his life was about. That his life was self-focused. It was self-righteous. And that was what he valued. This religious zeal. And that it wasn't, it wasn't about something that would help him with his contentment issues. But then he says in verse 7, the transition from uh, Philippians 3, verse 6 and 7 is drastic. Because he he goes into, he's like, but then I met Christ and here's what happened. He said, I count all of that that I used to think life was about. All the self, all the self-righteousness and the pride and all the things that I was about. He said, I count it as worthless in comparison to knowing Christ and being known by him. He says, "I I, at times I've lost it all. I lost everything in my life that I was about. He says, and I count it as rubbish. It's garbage in comparison to how great it is to know Christ and to be known by him. And this is... What Paul lived. In fact, Paul gave himself full, so fully to this vision. He tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians two one and two. He says, "I sought to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified." And so we know from Paul's life that his his focus went from selfish self righteousness, gaining what he could in life, to completely focused on Christ totally given to Christ. And because he gave his life totally to Christ, when he says, I'm strengthened by the strengthening one, what he's saying is my contentment is not based on what happens in life. It's not based on what I get. It's not based on what I accomplish. It's based on the one that I've given my life to, and he never changes He is strong and mighty and he fills me with strength and might and life and joy. And this is where we're headed today. All in for Jesus. So so Paul reveals that his contentment comes from a life that is all in with Jesus. So I believe as, as I'm praying through this message, as I'm wrestling through this stuff this week, the Lord was putting on my heart. I was like, Lord, what's the source of discontentment? Because for me, as I'm walking with people in ministry, uh, I want to know the source of their struggle and not just treat the symptom. I don't just want them to walk out kind of happy or something. I want to uproot the thing that's causing the pain, the thing that's causing the struggle in their heart, And by the grace of God, that He would come in and heal their heart. And this is what God wants us to do this morning. And so I'm saying, Lord, what is the root of discontentment? And He told me, He said, it's when people sit on the throne of their lives itself. It's when I refuse to give up control of my life and and or me saying, OK, I'll give you lordship of this over here, Lord, but but not this right here. I'm going to I'm going to hold on to my family or I'm going to hold on to my business because I, I feel like I'm better at, at controlling that. No, what Paul is talking about, and the only way to receive the contentment of Christ is to be all in with Jesus and say, Lord, I give you everything. I give you my business. I give you my family. I give you all that we have and all that we are because you are the greater blessing. And Lord, I ask that you would reveal this to every heart. This is going to... Sound a little weird, but I feel like the Lord wants me to pray right now in the middle of this message, so if you would, just pray with me. Lord, I ask that you would reveal to us, because in my heart, in my life, Lord, I know how difficult it is to trade comfort, which he's not necessarily asking us to give up all comfort, but I know how difficult it is to make the risk of giving you everything. But the truth is, is you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we cannot have contentment without you. And so, God, I pray that you would bless us. You would remove the veil, any veil that is over our eyes, so that we could see that we're not trading uh, something that you're asking us to to. to To hurt ourselves. You're, You're giving us life, God. Help us to see, help us to feel that, to experience what you're doing. I pray in Jesus' name. All right, so the source of discontentment is self, me on the throne of my life, you on the throne of yours when I try to control things in my life and get what I want and do all that I want to do and be all about me, then no matter what, I find that I'm discontent. I'll be honest with you, I I think by the grace of God, every time I've sought to do that, he shows me how (laughs) it just does not equal joy in my life and it actually causes destruction. But if I am willing to give him Everything, then he works all things for good. So if the source of discontentment is self, then the cure is Christ, giving our lives totally. To Christ. So I'm not a, f- uh, a fan of math, to be honest with you. For all you mathematicians out there, give me grace this morning. I, I honestly, it's, it's uh, life-sucking to me. It's like it drains the life out of me. But when it makes my life simpler, it's, it's kind of nice. So this morning I have a couple of math equations that I hope will help you as much as they help me. The first one says, all the things I want plus me equals discontentment. Now, this might seem obvious to you, but if I am uh, after the, the big house and I get the big house, if, if it's all about me, if I'm at the center of that equation, then I'm just going to want something else. And I'm going to keep wanting, and it's never going to be enough, and it'll never equal what Christ can give me. See, the, the enemy isn't the stuff. It's not the house. It's not, the, it's not whatever it is that we want. If you are, are, are wealthy and God has given you a lot, bless you. If you aren't, I, I pray the Lord bless you. I'm, I don't care. It's not about uh, uh, stuff. It's about whether I'm at the center of that equation. In the next equation, having little plus me equals discontentment. So having almost nothing. Some people think that simplicity is the answer to contentment. That if I make my life simpler and I remove a lot, then then I will be happy. Now, I, I will tell you, I believe that the less... We have to uh, run through this mind. The less we're upkeeping and the less we're having to manage, the more we will have have an easier time getting into that place where the Lord can minister contentment. But it's not about the stuff. It's not about how much we have or how little. If I'm at the center of simplicity in my life, then it will still never be enough. I will never be content. I will be discontent. Next Perfect circumstances plus me equals discontentment. So if everything goes right in my life, everything is good, but I am still in the throne of my life, then I will be discontent. And as it's probably already getting old to you, bad circumstances plus me equals discontentment. If I'm in the middle, then I get discontentment. All right, now to the the winning equation this is what we're looking for that equals contentment. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We said it at the beginning, right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now, I'll, I don't know about you, but the flesh in my heart wants to feel like, okay, well, it's Jesus plus if I just had this. Or, or if if things just went right in this way, relationships, then I would be happy. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's given his life totally to Christ, totally given dependence, his full dependence, his full uh, 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 givenness of his life is to Christ. And he says, this is how Christ ministers contentment to me. So we still have a few things to talk about this morning. But at this juncture, I just want to ask us, what things in your heart and in my heart, getting personal this morning, what things, what, what areas of our lives do we feel the most discontent? What areas of our lives are we still sitting on the throne of our hearts? Now, here's why I ask this. I don't ask this to shame us. We're all human in here. We all need Jesus. I ask this because unless we bring the things that we wrestle with to the surface, God can't heal it. This is our opportunity to let it rise up so that God can can enter into that place with us and talk to us about it and help us deal with it, help us surrender and become king in that area of my life. Be honest with you, as I was uh, wrestling through this sermon and just letting the Lord uh, reveal anything that I am discontent about, he's like, Drew, he said, you are still wrestling with failure at times. He said, you're still sitting on the throne of your heart when it comes to failure. And I'll just be honest, I was totally surprised. I was like, whoa. I was like, (laughs) okay. I was like, let's deal with that, Lord. I was like, will you speak into that? And he began to speak to me. And he began to tell me, he said, you still think that when things go less than perfect, you messed up and, and, and you're, you're whatever, a failure because of that. He said, but Drew, life isn't about you anymore. And when you think you mess up, I want you not to reflect on it as if it's all about you. I want you to reflect on it as if it's all about me, he said, and I've given you my victory. And so he said, when, when you feel like you fall on your face or, or, or when you feel like it was just less than what I would want you to do, then he said, I want you to surrender that and I want you to say, Lord, I trade my failure for your victory. I trade my failure for your victory, he said, because I have given you my heart, I've given you my spirit, and my spirit is victorious, and I'm working all things together for good in your life, and now I want you to find contentment in the places where you once thought you were a failure. And so I ask you, what in your life are you wrestling with? that you might feel discontentment, or that you are still sitting on the throne of that area of your life. And we want to speak to that this morning. Okay, so getting down to bringing it home here, what is contentment? Contentment if I'm just putting it in simplest forms, and I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing this from a Puritan named Jeremiah Burroughs. If you want to read his book, he, he wrote a book on contentment. The Puritans, they have a lot of thoughts, like a lot of thoughts, and they write them all down. So I'm just saying it's pretty, pretty, uh, uh, there's a lot in there. But if I'm simplifying what he says, I agree that contentment is an inner peace It's a continual inner peace, but it's filled with the life of Christ. So it's joyful, it's life-giving, and it doesn't go up or down based on how awesome or bad things go. It continues and it flows out like living water. So then the next question is, how do we get it? And this is what the Lord gave me. I'm learning this from from Paul, but I also feel like I get it from Pastor Javier and many others that the Lord is teaching me from. But number one, contentment is the result of making Jesus everything. Contentment happens when we make him everything in our lives. And it's not just the flip side of that coin is not just making him everything, but it's giving full dependence to him. Now, I believe in America, there was something that happened uh, wonderfully hundreds of years ago when we won our independence. But at that time, I think there, there began this domino effect of what the enemy wanted to use independence as. Now, I'm not saying that beginning of our nation was bad, that we came against tyranny. This is wonderful. But since then, the enemy has tried to turn independence around to where it is something where we feel like if I am not in control of my life, then there's something wrong. And yet, Christ's way to contentment is to give complete control of our lives to him. And I know that's a tall order, but this is Christ's way of doing life. And, and I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage us in this way because for me, I felt like he helped me to grow in this way. I'm still growing. I have a long way to grow. But he helped me to grow in this way when he helped me to see that, hey, I've tried it the other way, right? We've tried it the other way, and it didn't work. We tried the controlling everything, and it didn't give us life. It didn't give us contentment. And so why would I think, why would we think that I keep trying the same thing and get a different result? It's just not going to happen, right? We're not going to get a different result. We're going to keep, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep happening. So why not try God's way? Why not step in totally with him? Why not put all the chips in with Jesus? Now, the second part, I believe, is just as important as the first. The contentment is a result of making Jesus everything. But I'll be honest with you, I had years and years of my life where I didn't know how to do that. That was my struggle when I went down with Pastor Javier. That was what the Lord revealed to me is is that, I still had more of my life to give him, but I didn't know how to give it. I tried to serve him, I tried to to love him, but I didn't know how to, to have the contentment that Pastor Javier had, and I didn't know how to give him more of my life. Until finally the Lord convinced me that it doesn't come, this contentment thing, unless you start in the right place. So what he told me is that making Christ everything begins by letting him love us. It begins by letting him love us. Now that might sound like a cop-out to some. Some people who are, who are really like, oh man, but it's not about me. I'll be honest with you, that's how I felt for years I felt like it's not about me. Jesus is worthy. I, I need to worship him and I shouldn't get anything. And, 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 and yeah, that, that, that was just it. And I would hold God's love out like a stiff arm and be like, no, I don't deserve your love. You, you deserve my worship and my love. And I felt unworthy and I felt guilty even when I would experience his love. Now, some people in here are thinking, that's ridiculous. Other people might identify with it. But this, in my life, was the key to unlocking God moving in power in and through me. Because as I wrestled to grow in the Lord, I found very little fruit coming out of my ministry until I accepted this reality and it comes from, I remember, he first began to minister to my heart through this text. 1 John 4, 19, such a simple phrase. We love because he first loved us, right? Now, since then, I've seen the Lord reveal like layers of this scripture, and it's fantastic. But I just want to go like one layer deep today that we can't love Unless we let him love us. We love because he first loved us. We can't uh, be in his spirit and receive what he wants to give us and fill us with unless we let him love us. Jesus said in John 15, uh, verse 9, he says, Just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And in this statement, he's saying so much, because he's saying, just as the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit love each other, so God loves us in the same way. Not a lesser way, not a, uh, uh, okay, we're going to downgrade the love we give to you because we just don't love you as much. No, he loves us the same as he loves the other members of the Trinity. I don't know about you, but the first time I heard that, my mind was blown. I was just like, what? That's a lot of love, you know? And he says, just as the fathers love me, so I have loved you. And then he says a sentence, abide in my love. He's not saying return to my love every once in a while, you know, just a little bit, a little bit of love, a little cup of love, here you go. No, he's saying, I want you to stand under the waterfall of my affection in life. I want it to wash over you, and I want you to, to, to be filled with it at all times. I will tell you what I have found is that the most loved people are the people who love the most. So if we will spend time with love and let him fill us with it, woo, we fill up to overflowing and we become like Paul. We can't help it because we're so loved and we're so filled with life that when we go out, we're just like, oh man. Have you heard about what Jesus did? He's amazing. Now, in my life, God had to convince me because I no matter what I did, I felt guilty for receiving his love. And so one of the first steps was he showed me this, this passage. It was about four years ago. I remember I was I was reading. Uh, about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And let me just tell you, friends, this is our king. This is how he loves us. He kneels to wash your feet. He loves you. But he's kneeling to wash his disciples' feet. And and, and Peter is offended by this. And and, and and the passage, the Lord's like, Drew, that, that's your heart right now. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like showing me. He's like, Peter's offended by this. He's like, nope. He's like, you're not, I, I'm not worthy of you washing my feet. I, I'll wash your feet, though, because you're worthy of it. And Jesus tells him this. He says, Peter, you don't understand. He says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. And at that moment, as clear as I've heard any voice in my life, the Lord spoke to my He said, Drew, if you don't let me wash your feet, or if you don't let me love you, you have no part in me if you don't let me fill you with my affection. He wasn't just saying that, that I'm not connected to him. He was saying that I wouldn't be able to love him or others. It's because I wasn't willing to receive what he wanted to give in his life-giving presence. I would sit in his presence and I would pray and I would seek to do his will. And yet, because I wasn't willing to receive his life, I had nothing. There was, it was bone dry in my spirit. It was just desert. And I remember there, there, were, there were multiple times where the Lord spoke this over my life and finally he told me one day, it was, I think it was about a year after that, he told me, he said, Drew, I said, I'm gonna change the way you look at my love. From now on, I'm going to allow you to receive my love now. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And he told me this, and it's amazing what God can do with a couple phrases. But he said, do you feel guilty for drinking water? I said, no. He said, why? And I said, because I need it to survive. And he said, that's what my love is to your spirit. He said, "My love is living water." He said, "All this time, you thought of my love as something like like a doggy treat that I that that we give to dogs for being a good dog. Oh, you did a good trick." He said, "You thought that I gave you my love when you did something good." He said, "But that's not how I function." He said, "My love is to uplift your spirit." And immediately, in my heart, he brought the woman of the well story to my mind, and he 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 just like quoted it verbatim in my heart. And he's like, this is why Jesus told the woman at the well. You, I, if you knew who it was, it was asking you for water. You would ask me and I would give you living water. And he's saying, this is the life that I want to put in you if you would receive it. And for me, that changed everything. And from that day on, there was something that shifted in me where not only was I willing to receive the living water of his love that he would give me, but that I was willing to bask in it and not see it as something that that I'm not worthy of and hold it at arm's length, but yet to to let it revive and fill so that I could go out and be like Jesus to others. And it's changed everything in my life. And so the two main things I'm encouraging us and what I believe the Lord is telling us this morning is one, to go all in with Jesus, to give it all to Jesus. And number two, to let God love you into that, to let his love consume you. Because here's my story. I am still surrendering more and more as he reveals more. I surrender more. So we're not done growing in surrender, wherever you are. We don't arrive at this place and say, I'm done, I'm good, you know. We we keep growing in the Lord. He keeps drawing us closer. And so I would encourage us, go all in with Jesus today and let him love you even deeper All right, so I felt like the Lord wanted me to give us four practical ways we can let God uh, love us into contentment. I'm gonna say these as quickly as I can. Number one, surrender all to Jesus. Give your life totally to him. We've talked about that. Number two, open up the Bible and ask God to lead you to life as you read. I know a lot of folks who read this book and they treat it like a textbook. And I'm not trying to shame anyone, I'm just trying to open up the door to what God would give us a life in. But we read it like a textbook because we think we read it to be a good Christian, we do our Christian duty or whatever, when this is the book of life. And what God wants us to do, I believe, is he wants us to say, Lord, will you speak to me today? Look, this book, what it's all about is God created the world. He created mankind and he loves us. That's why he created us. And it's his redemptive story of how he pursued our hearts from the beginning. And then he rescued us through the blood of Christ. And now we have life and we have his heart. And so this is a huge love story. It's radical, and it's adventurous, and it's wonderful. And if we will just say, Lord, will you speak to me? And then we begin to read a scripture. And then all of a sudden, a phrase jumps off the page. Now, when, when that happens, that's the Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts. And I would encourage us not to just be like, that was weird, and then keep reading. But in, instead to stop and be like, Lord, wow, okay, you're speaking, what are you saying? You just said, trust in the Lord. Okay, will you speak deeper into that? Like, move that from my heart to my head to my heart. Help me to see what you're saying here, and you'll help us. So, this is how we receive life as we read the word of God. Second, I would encourage you to learn to carry on conversation with the Lord. Some of us are veterans in this, others are still asking, can I actually talk to God and he'll, he'll talk back? I encourage you that yes, this is the relationship that God wants us to have with him. I don't have time today, but in, in, in the word, we could go into the word "Rama" and how this is God's uh, 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 spoken word into our heart at the present time. And the, the Bible uses this word a lot of times. We see it usually read as word in the Bible, but God is Speaking to us, the Bible says, if we are willing to listen. Not just that, Jesus says, abide in me, stay connected. Well, how are we supposed to stay connected if we're just following a bunch of rules and precepts? He wants us to be relational, so he invites us in. And I would encourage you, if you are wrestling with that this morning, and wrestling, with, man, I would love to talk more to God and to hear his voice. I love to talk to people about that. Please come and talk to me. Or come and talk to one of our leaders who will be up at the front in a little bit. So that's three practical ways. The fourth way is to spend time. And again, I'm going over practical ways to let God love us into contentment. The fourth way is to hang out with people who have the joy of Jesus in their life. Now, If we're carrying this contentment, this Christ-like contentment, what it does for other people is super contagious. It's wonderful. Pastor Valdemir isn't here for me to embarrass him, but I'll be honest with you. If you want to spend some, some time with someone who is joyful in the Lord, spend some time with Pastor Valdemir and, and just see, okay, this is what Christ-like contentment is like. This is what the joy of the Lord is like. And I would just encourage you, find people in your life that have this and latch on to them. Pick it up. Begin to pick up the the, the the tendencies, their habits in life because what they are living is life in Christ. All right, so I've got to close this out because I've already gone over this morning. But what the Lord put on my heart this morning for a closing is that we would simply surrender all. That we would simply give Him everything. So I'm going to lead us through a prayer in just a moment. You can say it in your heart. You can say it out loud, honestly. Oh, no, I I felt like the Lord just say, say it out loud. So if you would say it out loud with me. Uh, So if you would, let's just bow our heads in prayer and say this after me. Lord, I give everything to you. And I ask you to help me with what I don't know how to give. And I ask that you would help me to live under the waterfall of your affection. So I feel like there's some spirits that need to go right now. So I come against, just just bear with me, folks. I come against the spirit of mammon that tries to keep us independent, that tries to keep us seeking and, and focused on the things of the flesh, that tries to keep us from, from embracing all that Christ would give us in this life. And I come against you and I say, be gone from our presence right now. The Lord is here and I come against the orphan spirit. This spirit that tries to make us feel like we have to earn and strive and and reach, but never attain, and I come against you, I say, be gone in Jesus' name. For the Lord has given provision in place of mammon. He's giving you everything your heart needs and infinite joy and contentment, his joy. And not just that, but he's given you sonship and daughtership in which, Lord, I pray this morning it would fall upon people. This realization that no longer do they have to strive to earn your affection, but you've already given it, that they would be able to move from your pleasure, the pleasure of the Father's heart instead of from their own pressure that they would be able to live for you from this place of freedom and life instead of this place of needing to be good enough. For Lord, you are setting hearts free. So from this place, I just wanna take a moment. I believe the Spirit wants to speak to hearts this morning. So if you would, we're just gonna take a moment, let the Spirit speak. Lord, Spirit, speak what you wanna speak into people's hearts now. Jesus name. Lord, I pray your joy. I pray your fullness, your life, your contentment into each heart. Lord, each heart that is willing, that is open, not those who uh, are trying but feel like they, they can't. Lord, I believe that your heart is for them. For the people that the desire to surrender at all, but don't know how. I pray that you would reach in and say, that is surrender that you would speak to their heart and you would allow them to know that they are enough in you. And Lord, that you would reach in and you would rescue them right now. Lord, I, I speak your joy, your contentment, your life over every person, every heart. You would draw them into your way for you are life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Alright, so um, this uh, today we're just going to end a little different. I would like to at this time ask us to stand with me if you would. And uh, I'm going to call the encouragers up right now to the front. So if you're an encourager, come up. And if the Lord is doing business on your heart today, maybe you have something you want to rejoice over. It doesn't have to be in response to this message. But if the Lord also is speaking to you today, and he's saying, come pray with someone. It, then, then come and pray with someone. If you're wondering, okay, I, I've, I've made a decision today and I've given it all to Christ, what now? Then we wanna talk to you more about that. So I would encourage you to come and talk to one of our leaders. Join a Life Step group, join a D group, uh, join an E group. Come, let us walk with you through this next season of life so we can help. You embrace fullness in Christ. All right, so I'm just gonna bless you and then we're gonna be done today, but I would encourage you, come and pray with one of our encouragers today. Holy God, thank you for every heart here. I pray you would bless them. I pray you would continually reveal your face, your heart to them. Reveal to them your love, we pray, in Jesus' name. And and I I, I just pray as they go out, they would be blessed in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. We'll see you next week.